0: Welcome to another episode of Central Texarkana Podcast, a ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. We pray this episode will serve to edify you as a believer in Christ and help you in your walk this week. Thank you for joining us today. Let's get started. here we are once again
1: yes brother Corey, and you know what i'm starting to get to where i'm kind of that little jingle we have at the beginning is starting to settle in yeah and when i hear it i kind of i kind of tap my foot yeah and, you got a little you know. got to you got to move a little <laughs> bit to that <laughs> it's kind of cool you know it's uh i guess you do it enough and you listen to it and what you guys don't see is when we start that off, Corey gets this thing going, and I I do this countdown from five to that jingle. Yeah, and, you know.
0: It, eventually, I'm going to pre-record. I tried to pre-record that one time, and for whatever reason, I couldn't. It, it didn't work right. But uh, some at some point, I'm going to do that, so we don't we won't have to do the countdown anymore. But anyway. yes,
1: sir. Well, teachers, it's good to be back with you. And uh this is the podcast Christian Education podcast for lesson 11 uh in the Baptist expositor uh the curriculum from the Baptist publishing house uh we are in the quarter I call it a semester quarter whatever uh it's lesson 11 in blessed deceivers and we're going to be covering chapter 33 right Corey and yes. this is uh this is for the lesson that is going to be brought on August the 14th. Right. And uh, so anyway, so uh, I guess let's go ahead and dig in, brother, and make the use of everybody's time. And uh, we we made some notes that we want to share with you and some things you may want to consider. Oh, yeah.
0: This is going to be a good one. Amen. This, this is where it all kind of starts coming together right here. Yes,
1: sir. I mean, Jacob meets Esau. Yes. I mean, can you imagine after everything we talked about in the last chapter? It's been at least 20 years. You know, it's been a long time. Yeah. And, and, and Jacob has wrestled with God over this. Right. This is something that has deeply disturbed him. Mm-hmm. And now here he is. Yeah. After the wrestling with here. the Lord. And as it says in the curriculum, I think it says something to the effect of his growing faith. He is now empowered or emboldened. Mm-hmm. In his faith to uh, for this confrontation that's about to occur, right? And uh, some unexpected things are going to happen. So let's go ahead and get started. Yeah. So what's happening there at the beginning of the chapter?
0: Well, uh, Jacob, um, Jacob's kind of kind of come out of the 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 season of wrestling, the time of wrestling with God, and he's going to look up and and who's who's coming down the road. And it's his brother Esau. And not only is his brother Esau coming, but he's bringing 400 men along with him. And I can imagine Jacob thinking in his mind that his brother and his men are coming coming to get him, coming yeah. to kill him. Yeah. Because the memory of what he did to Esau, uh, it, it, he's assuming—he is assuming— things about his brother uh, based on historic events, the the, the events of the past.
1: You know, I imagine in this moment, I know for me there have been those times that even after I've wrestled with the Lord and I've come to a conclusion Mm -hmm. that I know God's in control, right? and I know God is sovereign, and I realize that, and that has settled into my spirit, that has settled into my soul, it's in my mind, and it's flowed down into my heart. But then comes the moment of truth. And here it is. I know it, but man, it's like my In, heart starts to skip a beat yeah. and I take a deep breath because there is still that little bit of flesh that wants to interrupt yeah. what I believe and know about God and to go, okay. It's kind of like that moment of here we go. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trusting you, Lord. Yeah, you know it, 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 it. It's kind of like the butterflies you get in your stomach before the kickoff. Yeah, and there ain't nothing I can do about yeah. it at this point. Not a thing. I am in the Lord's hands. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I, this is a moment like that for Jacob. He's I, in the Lord's hands. There's no stopping this.
0: Yeah, and 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 he and he kind of prepares for it. He he begins to arrange his family. Yeah. Uh, he's
1: following up on the strategy. Yeah. That strategy is still there. Still
0: <laughs> there. But it's interesting the way he does this though, because if you look at the order that he puts his family in, it kind of shows, um, uh, how he felt about those people hmm. within his family. um, because who does he put at the front of the line to go meet his brother? He puts his maidservants and their children in the front. Yes. So those two, um, uh, uh, their their names escape me right now, but the maidservants of his wives, who they gave to him as as a as a quote unquote wife, yeah, to basically have children with, um, they're at the front of the line. Because to be honest with you, they are not as important to him. And so he puts them at the head of the line going to meet Esau. And then who's behind them? And then you got Leah and her children, Leah and her children. And then you got Rachel and Joseph. And then you have Rachel and Joseph Hmm. that are the most favored of, of his wives and children. Yeah. Um, And, you know, as as especially in Western culture, we might think of it, it should be the opposite. The most favored should be in the front. Well, um, perhaps this was a culture thing as well, where he put the most favored in in the back. Yeah. And because that's exactly how this lines up. Sure. Uh, And Jacob has gone on ahead of them to meet his brother first and he goes basically with fear and trembling to meet his brother and he goes in a spirit of submission to his brother because as we as we see in the scripture as he approaches he bows down to him as if esau is above him superior to him bows down 7 times and i'm sure there's something about the number 7 there right yeah <laughs> that we could really get into but we're not going to in this but uh so Jacob is all about submitting to his brother because he has assumptions yeah based on what he had done
1: but uh, then we see something in verse 4 that we don't expect and Esau responds in a way that Jacob Never expected. Never expected or didn't anticipate. No. And it says there, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. One thing the curriculum mentions in the commentary, because teachers don't forget, you have the guided Bible study, you have the outline format, and you have the commentary. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just quickly, you can use a combination of those things. You can teach just straight out of the commentary. It's got your key words, your phrasing, your comparisons, your contrasts. Uh, you you can use the outline if that's what works best for you, or you can use the guide of Bible study. All right. So back to what we're talking about here. So it says in verse four, but Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. And the commentary mentions much like the prodigal son, yes. uh, who expected his, his father to react a particular way. Right. You know, we we develop expectations and we make assumptions based on, like you said, based on past events and history and right. based on human behavior and a lot of times based on our own human behavior. Yeah. And, and probably of, more often than not, based on our own. Because our own, uh, what would we do in a situation like this? Yeah. And we we get, you know, logical. We reason in our own minds. Over how we would respond, and we develop an expectation off of that. Yeah. And, um, and as we see here in the text, Uh, our our assumptions and
0: expectations don't always indicate what reality really
1: is. Exactly. Why? Because God is at work. Yes.
0: Right? Yeah, uh, for sure. And definitely in this situation, because we're going to see, uh, the way, God has evidently worked in Esau's life.
1: Yeah. The, uh, you know, from there, you know, it says, and they wept. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, things have, have, you know, over the course of 20 years, a work has been done in Esau. A work has been done in Jacob. Right we have more insight into what God has done in the life of Jacob than we do Esau. But we still see here a picture of two brothers who both have been deceived over the course of two decades. Yes. Esau was deceived by his own brother. Mm-hmm. Jacob deceived by Laban and, you know, both of them on the receiving end of deception and then Jacob himself being a deceiver. Mm-hmm. And now we have a powerful picture of reconciliation between these two, where they are coming together, and it says that they wept here. Yes, and
0: and and they they came together, and then you read, um, I believe it's verse ten of chapter thirty-three. Jacob says, "No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present," because he had prepared the gifts right. for his brother in the last chapter. Um, and his brother Esau is asking him what are these what what is this and Jacob is saying please accept uh my gift um because he says going on in verse 10 for I have seen your face which is like seeing the face of God and you have accepted me and what he's saying here is like man god has done something to you yes Because you have come to me um, where I expected bad things to happen because of what I've done to you. And you came to me, you ran to me to meet me, you hugged me, you kissed me, you wept over me, you accepted me as your brother.
1: After what I did to you. After what I've
0: done to you, 20 some odd years later, the past is forgiven and
1: forgotten. And you know that's a good segue into the what I think would be a very valuable cross reference for you, teachers, uh, in this particular case, and that would be Second Corinthians chapter five. Yes. And we what we have here is the ministry of uh, the doctrine of reconciliation here in Genesis. Um, yeah. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter five, you know, it blows me away. I, I told you, Corey, when we were getting ready for this, yeah. you know, I'm going to do a sermon series one of these days. We're going to do Genesis and we're going to call it doctrines of the Christian faith because they're all here on the front end, man. Yeah. You cannot <laughs> possibly know God in his fullness without knowing the book of Genesis you cannot right. know the redemptive plan of God without knowing Genesis. Yeah,
0: and that's, and
1: that's why as what Christians happens?
0: today, we we can't ignore the Old Testament
1: at we all. We cannot. No. It is as much a part of truth. It, it, it is truth just like the New Testament. Yes. Listen to what it says here beginning in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And think about this situation as it relates to Jacob and Esau. So from now on, and then think about it with us and our Lord, Jesus Christ. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteous of God. There was a change in Esau. Yeah. We have the ministry of reconciliation through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that ministry of reconciliation was still part of the redemptive plan in the book of Genesis in chapter 34. Three. Or three, 33. 33. Yeah. Because
0: I go back to that that verse 10, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God. Yes. In 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about the Christian being a new creation. Through that reconciliation, Esau was a new creation. And so was Jacob. And so was Jacob. And look what happened. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Like that. That when you brought that up a, few, a little while ago, that just
1: blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, goodness, Corey, it gets me fired up. Brother. Yeah, let's preach. I mean, come on, let's go hit the street corner. Woo! All right, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting really
0: excited here. We get, fire, we get fired up around here. We do like get I, fired I, my, up. my fired up is not quite to the level of your fired up. Yes, but it's still a raging it's still, fire, It's man. still there. <laughs> and, you know, oh. until you see me at a basketball game or something, I'm, I get pretty
1: fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that one of these days. Yeah. So the strategy that that Jacob uh, implored here with with Esau, it was unnecessary— Yeah. But it was serviceable. It it was – in other words, did God need Jacob to follow through on his strategy to bring about this reconciliation? No. No. But it was still a tool. It was still a serviceable tool that God used to reinforce and strengthen that reconciliation after the fact. And just kind of still in this little
0: area of the passage, uh, or of the chapter, you know, Esau was asking Jacob about these gifts. Why, what, what is this and, and why? And the, and the literature points out, uh, that Jacob made known to Esau that he intended to earn Esau's favor or his grace by giving him these gifts. Um, and Jacob continued referring to Esau as Lord, but not like Lord as in God. Not or, capital or Christ, L Lord. Not capital L, little L Lord, meaning master, right? Or you know, someone of someone authority, superior respect. to him. Yeah. Uh, so it was a term of respect. And Jacob continues referring to Esau in this way. But here, here the book makes a, a makes a valid point. Esau responds to this. Not by referring to Jacob as, you know, servant, or he calls, he calls Jacob brother. Mm -hmm. He refers to him as, as his brother. Um, And that's found in verse, uh, in verse nine, uh, I believe where Esau says, I have enough, my brother, Hmm. keep what you have, have brought to give to me. I don't need it. Yeah. Um, So that's an interesting Interesting note there. That is that's a good observation. Um, and that tells us that tells us even more I think about what God has done in Esau's life to to get him to the point where where he can forgive and forget. And, and can and still refer to his brother as his brother. Right. You know, it, it's a it, there's a there seems to me to be a love there that would not have been present 20, 21 years ago. Right, right. After after the big, big blessing blow up yeah. and deception.
1: You know, 20 years can give somebody a whole lot of, uh, that's a whole lot of time for God to work and yeah. for someone to reflect. Yeah. And to be sanctified. And, you
0: know, uh, and, and that, that can serve as a lesson to us as well, uh, you know, and, uh, if you think about holding grudges against someone for some wrong, they might've done, whether it's a family member or a friend. Yeah. Um, this idea of reconciliation and, and forgiveness is, is big. It's important because I, I know there are situations out there where someone has wronged someone in a great and mighty way. Um, and people can hold on to things for a long time. Yeah, but they will never experience the freedom that they desire until they learn to forgive. Yeah, and and reconcile themselves to that person. Yeah, and here we have a perfect picture of that from Jacob and Esau. Yeah. Um. and, And, and that might teachers that might even be something you want to to point out to your, to your students in class, uh, this idea that Esau was able to forgive Jacob and, and, and the family connection was restored mm-hmm. through that reconciliation. Yeah. And we have the ability through Christ to be able to do that. Yeah. If someone has wronged us in our past,
1: and I think what you just said is what's key. It is is it's a work of the Lord mm-hmm. that that precedes that. Yeah. Because uh, it
0: clearly was here with Esau.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I think when we talk about confrontation, and I'm glad you brought that up, Corey, because you know I you know I, I look back on my own life, mm-hmm. I examine my own life in this, and. Um, You know, when God is sovereign over confrontation, number one. Yes. This was a meeting that happened at the time that God set forth. Right. And um, number one. And when we understand that God ordains these moments and then God does the preparation work ahead of time also for these moments. Yeah, And so God does a work in those involved in this confrontation. He does the work ahead of time to prepare hearts. And then he sets the time to bring it together for it to actually happen. Mm -hmm. And then he gets glory from it. Right. And... I, I I already said it, but I say I really appreciate you bringing that up because how many churches have struggled? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, how, how many how many Christian families and homes and and uh, devastated church ministries and churches devastated over something like carpet color? Yeah. You know ridiculous things. Yeah. And e- and even in things that are legit you know, don't get me wrong, because there have been times when Christians have legitimately caused pain in the life of another Christian. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the enemy has to have his way in that situation, right. Corey. Right. It it doesn't mean that. That's why we that that's why we do Sunday school. Yes. That's why we do Christian education. That's why we preach the word of God. That's why we we learn. So that we can be sanctified and changed in this, and God can do a work so that when those tough times happen, we can navigate those with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the truth prevails. God prevails. Yes. Um, you're lighting me up again here. <laughs> Folks, you're, this, you're... Might, this
0: thing might, might extend
1: in time today. We'll, we'll just see it But... but so okay, so let's let's go to let, let's let's uh, let, let's go t- to the end of the of the chapter. Yeah. So what's our what's our time frame looking like? Oh uh, We're at twenty three. Okay, so let's 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 go ahead and start wrapping. At the end, we, uh, by the way, I want to recommend. I'm not going to give it to you right now, but I'm going to recommend looking up the word favor. Right. You know, there, there there's a lot he he wanted to seek Esau's favor. Mm-hmm. And he got Esau's favor, but Esau's favor was God's favor to him yeah. through Esau. And he didn't need to send the gifts. He didn't need. It was unnecessary. It was serviceable, but unnecessary. Right. He already had favor in the embrace, and that was God's favor. Yeah. Expressed through Esau. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So let's. So at the end, um, he 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 arrives there at a location well he actually
0: he actually settled twice here and we don't know about passage of time between these but he mm-hmm. he first settled at a place called Sukoth. yeah S- and yeah. really the th there might be a, a just a t sound i'm not sure but uh so he settles there and it says he even made a house and and booths for his animals um, sort of like a lean-to, uh, maybe where he, you know, would store grain or whatever for them to eat. But um, so he settled there, and then it says in verse 18, he apparently journeyed again at some point from from where he was at Succoth to Shechem, and he arrived safely in the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. Yeah. Which is where he was where he was coming back to. Yes. Yes. That's, that's where he because um, obviously that from the the promise God gave to Abraham was for the land of Canaan. And here here comes Jacob. Twenty yeah. twenty years, twenty-one, however you, you gotta throw travel time I guess in there to where it's it's probably at least twenty one years that he's been gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And he arrives at Shechem, and he's home because he's he he knows he knows he's he's home because he's going to make a purchase of the land that he he basically pitches his tent, mm-hmm. so to speak, on, and he pays a hundred pieces of money for this for this bit of land. In Canaan, and so we we see, and I have a note in, in my Bible, and I believe it's in the in the Sunday School literature as well. This is the second piece of actual land that this family has purchased in Canaan,
1: because
0: hmm. I believe Abraham purchased, yeah, um, a, a parcel of land in, in this area, and and now we have Jacob purchasing land in canaan and he's purchasing this land and we need to understand that he does this because god allows it god owns everything right and and even uh, in the commentary i believe i read this um where he does ma- makes this purchase. Uh, and maybe it was not in the commentary. Maybe it was in my Bible. But, uh, you know, God owns... Uh, it was not Abraham's land just because. It was because God allowed Abraham and then his descendants to come to the land. Yeah. And it was my Bible. I see it now. Um the land was not abraham's and his descendants simply because they bought it because we have we have examples now of two two different purchases it belonged to them because god owned it all and gave it to them for their exclusive domain wow so jacob has returned to canaan And, you know, we know what's going to happen. We know Joseph and Egypt and all that's going to take place. And in the meantime, all these other people groups are going to inhabit the land that is to become Israel. Um, But again, that's all part of God's plan.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, I was just
1: sitting here thinking that exact thing.
0: He owns it all. Anything we have, even though we
1: pay for it or we buy it, it's not ours. Right. We we have it because he allocated it to us. That encourages me that that, that the house that my family lives in, that's not just the mortgage that we took out. Yeah. That is God's and he yeah. he and he allocated that for us right. when we moved out here to Texarkana. And I think as we close this out, we do it with uh verse twenty. And uh and and then let's go ahead and, and uh Corey, you can send us out of here. But uh it says there he set up an altar and he set up and an altar was for the purpose of worship. Mm-hmm. And he set up an altar for the purpose of worship, and he called it El Elohi Israel. And that can mean God, the God of Israel, or mighty is the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is here we are. He's arrived back in Canaan. He builds an altar for for the purpose of worshiping the Lord, who has been sovereign over all of this. right? And he recognizes God. For who God is. Mighty is the power of the Lord, brother. Yes. And, I mean, mighty is the God of Israel. Mighty is the God who prevails. Yes. And, again, we see here at the end of chapter 33, brother, God has prevailed. Yes. So. And and just one other well, really two
0: two things I want to mention here. Number 1, um and you see this with Abraham, you you see it with Isaac, you see it with Jacob, you're going to see it all throughout, especially the Old Testament when when these patriarchs, when these men of God encounter God in in any form or fashion or some some way, they almost always will respond to that encounter with an altar or a pillar or some such thing. And it essentially they're responding to their encounter with God with, with worship. Mm-hmm. And, and that's important. That's an, an important thing to note because uh, when we have encounters with God through his holy word, um, we need to worship him for that. Amen. We need, to, we need to praise God every day that he deems fit to come and meet with us yes. through reading his word and, and through prayer. Um, and so our encounters with God are different than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's encounters with God. But they're still worthy of of responding to him in worship. And so that's an important note. Um, And then just a side note in our book talks about it. Something that's interesting. Um, That place that Jacob bought is where Jacob's well is going to eventually be. And John chapter four recounts the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And I just think that's 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 interesting that those two things connect Yes. Um, and as you're reading John chapter four, you can now be thinking about the idea and, and the fact that Jacob purchased that that <laughs> that very spot
1: <laughs>
0: when he returned, when he finally came back. Yes, sir. To Canaan. Um, and then and then you then you realize that hey, that's in Samaria. And the significance of that, as as we go, and and connect the dots. Yeah, the dots all connect. So connect the dots. Anyway, this is going to be a fun lesson to teach uh, on the fourteenth of August, because so much happens, and then you have that whole uh, ministry of reconciliation that you throw into the mix, Mm -hmm. and it's it's just an outstanding picture of God's work. Um uh, and how he brings all things together.
1: Amen. So, so teachers, we just want to, uh, we just want to, again, thank you for everything you do. Don't we, Corey? I yes. mean, just thank you. And we appreciate the time that you take and preparing for this and listening to this podcast and preparing for your lessons on Sunday.
0: And hopefully, uh, hopefully as we continue to grow in this, our delivery gets better. And, and, you know, we, uh, we just start to do a great job for God's glory. Amen. We just want to help. I, I, uh, my daughter, if she hears this, will get upset with me for time But I, everyone, I get so pumped yeah. <laughs> to be able to do these. So it's it's a great a great joy to me to be able to to come together with you and do these podcasts. So.
1: Yeah. Amen. It is for me too. So we're praying for you, teachers. Y'all have a great week.